Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. My guest today is Sid Balthazar Unrau. Did I get all that right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I had to throw in the middle name. Yeah, you did. And you might want to tell us about that. Oh, it's great. Um, My dad um, had a good friend when he was in the Merchant Marines. He's from Germany, and his friend happened to be from Africa and was black. And he ended up marrying a Southern girl, my mother, from Alabama. And so he told her that um, it was a family name mm-hmm. um, from somewhere in his past. And then when I, the day I baptized him um, into the LDS church um, many years later, um, he confessed to me, oh, by the way, your middle name isn't really a family name. It's for my black friend. But I couldn't tell your mom's relatives that because they would have just not liked me. Ah. Uh. <laughs> So that's how you got it. Yeah. Balthazar. And it's interesting because I named, uh, so he named me after a friend of his, um, his best friend in the Merchant Marines. I named my first son after my best friend from Denmark, where I lived for two years when I was on a service mission. And I had no idea until that moment that my dad had named a son after a friend and, and because I had named a son after a friend. Yeah. There's always a story behind names. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It is. Well, Sid, you and I go back a ways. In fact, you mentioned your son. My son and your son yeah. used to run together in high school, and we got to know each other that way a little bit. Yeah. Um, I used to do child custody evaluations for the court. Yeah. You are an attorney, and you've worked a lot with divorce and child custody cases. Exactly. In fact, that's part of the expertise we want to tap into today. Excellent. But as we have encountered each other over the years in different contexts, we even drove the vans for our son's Ragnar relay team. Yeah, that was a, a one night wonderful thing to remember. I'll never forget that. And if you folks aren't familiar with that, it's a hundred hundred and seventy miles. Yeah. Something like that. A foot race. Yeah. And it's a, a relay team, so they run different legs through the night and Sid and I drove the vans for that particular team. So it was amazing. Inspiring. Uh, quite an experience. Yeah. And I'm thrilled to have you with us at Live On Purpose Radio today. Well, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. There's a specific reason I invited you. Okay. And maybe others will develop as we have our conversation. Probably my middle name. You, yes, it's your middle name, Balthazar. <laughs> um, Unrau, that's kind of a, a tricky one, too, for English reverend. speakers. So, oh, well, perfect. <laughs> yeah. The reason, Sid, has to do with the context of the work that you've done in the courts and with your clients as an attorney, um, in the area of divorce, you've learned some things about relationships. Yes, I think I have. You've been paying attention? Oh, yes. So what I'm thinking this episode is all about is relationship tips Okay. from a divorce attorney. Yes. You've found what works and what doesn't work. Maybe more of what doesn't work. I don't know. Yeah, I but I think by contrast, so. yeah, I think I found a lot of that. I think um, 
One principle I think I want to remind everyone of just to begin with is we always know better than we do. So um, if my wife ever listens to this, she'll know, oh, Sid, you know this? Then how come you don't act this Why way all the time? Why are you doing all this stuff? <laughs> and I, I know, it, it's, it's fascinating. I, I tell some of my clients and give them advice about things that I personally have tried, but maybe I'm not perfect at yet. Right. <laughs> Another acknowledgement, too, before we launch into some of those principles, you're an attorney. Yes. But you spend a lot of your time coaching, giving yeah. maybe some some insights and in coaching into into life and relationships, and you find yourself doing this more than you don't. Yes, well, I think I think they go hand in hand or glove in hand or hand in glove, however that saying goes. Mm-hmm. I think I guess I realized as I got trained to be a, a life coach and got specific training about. Um, how to assist people, I realized that most of what I do is not give legal advice, although there mm-hmm. is that as well. Right. But I'm actually giving life advice um, mm-hmm. and how to move on from whatever the traumatic legal situation they're in. I also do a lot of criminal defense. I do juvenile court. Um, but divorce is the one that takes the most time and mm-hmm. energy. And even though my other clients outnumber my divorce clients, the divorce is the one that uh, divorce and custody issues are the ones that really um, that's occupy what takes my time. the energy yeah. and, and the time, and that's where I get to do a lot of coaching, mm-hmm. and and I hope I can do a lot of good. I don't think I told you this before the show, but I have referred people to you specifically because I knew that you would take a principle based approach with them. Oh, thank you. And have you seen this sometimes um, in the legal profession, but in in any area of life? There are people who depart from principle and make it worse. Oh, yes. I see that. Yeah. You recognize that immediately as I said it. So will you help us out here? Identify for us today. What are some of the principles that you've found? Well, let me start with... um, a story, a truth um, that I yes. experienced. I do a million things on the side, it seems like. And one of them is I'm a photographer. I inherited a camera um, from my brother who ended up going to prison, but he was a photographer. And so I inherited his camera. Oh, wow. And I have a knack for taking pictures. And now I had an expensive camera, too. So um, for wedding presents for my friends, I would take photographs at their weddings. And I, if I wasn't the photographer, which I usually wasn't, I took extra pictures and then I would produce for them a book of eight by tens, four by sixes, some black and whites, those different kinds of things. They were mostly candid and I mostly shadowed the person actually taking the pictures. And of course, since I was part of the wedding party, often I'd be in some pictures, but I wouldn't take those, of course. But anyway, one time I was photographing a wedding and I was actually the primary photographer and we got to the bride's family and we're at the Salt Lake Temple, um, a place of peace and beauty and everybody loves each other. This is the whole point of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I think. And I and I love being the photographer, by the way, because you're the boss. You get to tell everybody where to stand. <laughs> to anyway. people around, yeah. And so I had her, I called everyone in her family there and I was immediately informed, no, her mother... And her mother's current husband and all of their people could be in the picture, but not her dad at the same time. Her dad and his current wife and his people had to be somewhere else. Uh, I mean, had to be in a different photograph. 
And I thought, let me get this straight. I have to take two whole sets of photographs of the bride's side of the family because her mom and her dad, after all these years, cannot possibly be in the same... They were just in the same room for the wedding. With their daughter. With their daughter. And that just hit me in the head like a hammer. I just thought, no, this is so stupid, so wrong, so sad. Tragic. Really. And tragic. And and I thought, what kind of a message is this sending to future generations? I mean, and I realized when I do divorces, I'm in a situation, and when I do any legal work, um, I had a saying on the wall from, from Abraham Lincoln, which I'm going to horribly misquote, but it said, being an attorney, you're in a especially powerful position to do good if you so choose. And I, that hit me in that moment. I am going to aim to, when I do divorces, make it so that even if the people just don't like each other anymore, that they're not going to have to stand in separate pictures at their own children's weddings. So that's Mm. sort of what sort of turned me on to realizing I can maybe make a difference in the aftermath of what I'm helping to do, which is, you know, reorganize a family. Because divorce, by the way, isn't an end. And this is principle number one. The relationship doesn't end. It just changes. Um, Now, it can end if you don't have any kids in common. I guess that's true. Um, But even then, there are sometimes entanglements that last years after the divorce is over. But when you have children together, even a divorce isn't an end. It's just a, a modification of the relationship. And so that's, so that's an, an understanding. So when people come to me and they talk about, oh, I just want to get out of this guy's life or I want to get this person out of my life, one of the first principles is that's not possible. You are in a relationship that whether or not you like it anymore, you can modify it so maybe turn it into something you do like, but you're going to be in the relationship. Now, and by the way, I should mention, some people ask me, should I get divorced? I'm not that person. Um, I'm the hammer or, or whatever you want to call it, the lion. Um, when you hire me after you've made the decision. But if people really want to know if they've contemplated everything they ought to, then yes, I, I do walk them through a couple of things. Um, but so I guess the first principle here is that to recognize that once you're in a relationship and you have something in common like children, mm-hmm. then you're in the relationship. And, and so to get out of your mind that this is going to be an end of the relationship. I've had, we've had some, some of the same clients in the past. Oh, yeah. And, and if they're not the same people, they've got the same kind of circumstances right, going on right. in their life. And as, I remember one of my clients said, as you're, as you're introducing this topic, um, who came into this thinking that divorce will be the end of all of my problems. Oh, yes. And, and I thought, you know what? You're probably right. You just don't understand which end. <laughs> because That's if beautiful. you go into it thinking that, you're setting yourself up for some problems. Yeah. That's exactly right. And there's, there's reasons for that. Have you noticed this, too, that a lot of times in a relationship, um, there are principles that determine the success of a relationship. And I believe that the principles that determine the success of a marriage, for example, are the same principles that would determine the success of a divorce. Yeah. Does that sound weird to you? No, I think that's exactly right. Interesting. So I'm running this by a divorce attorney now. Yeah, no, that sounds exactly right. And it feels exactly right. I... uh, the one of those principles that I think is just out there is expectation. Um, 
when we get married, I, I know before I got married, I thought marriage was this. And of course, my primary picture came from my own um, experience with my parents. Sure. And, um, but I thought marriage would be a certain thing, a certain way. Well, I got married and yeah, there were some there was some overlap with what I had preconceivedly thought, mm-hmm. but a lot of things were way different. A whole new deal. And um, mm-hmm. I hope you don't buy this example, but for example, um, I thought, well, we're super familiar with each other. We can see each other naked and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's sort of like being roommates. Um, when my roommates and I were talking before I got married, if one of us needed to go to the bathroom, we would still just talk and one of us would just go in the bathroom and, and be doing whatever in there, but we'd still be talking, the door would be open and, and be done. Well, I found out the very first day I was married, um, no, that's not how my wife wants it. She's like, wait, well, is the door open? <laughs> Shut the door and, and we'll continue our conversation afterwards. I thought, okay. So the familiarity thing um, <laughs> doesn't translate like that. Um, yeah. And so, but... The thing is, we do have expectations. And the same thing with divorce clients. They have an expectation, and that's the first one that I, I combated, which, which is that the relationship's over. And yeah, sorry, that's, that expectation's wrong. So let's see what other expectations mm-hmm. you might have. Um, but so expectation is one of the things. Once you recognize that you have expectations, then the next thing to recognize is, well, is it? is it valid or does it make sense or or Mm. and then another side of that is what expectations does the other person have of me because that's the other thing um i disappoint my wife mostly because she has certain expectations which are reasonable completely Mm -hmm. from her perspective as soon as i hear them but that if i don't share them then from my perspective they they don't matter or they're they're relevant or something and until that's communicated so of course communication is yeah. another principle but but sticking with the expectations for a minute we all have expectations and yeah, once we realize sure. that and then when i see oh my wife has let me down or my uh, or when people tell me their husbands let them down one thing i can usually easily point out is well did they leave, leave, let you down because of expectation and I'll give you an example hmm. of how this plays out in sort of a um, sort of a macro way. A woman came to me one time and said that she had to get a divorce because her husband committed adultery, um, and he had committed adultery with hundreds of women. And I said, "Oh my, that that must have been exhausting." Um, <laughs> and then, and then she explained further that um, she found out that he was addicted to pornography, and that's how he had committed adultery with hundreds oh, of women. And I got said. It. So, uh, you, so from your perspective, um, he's committed adultery with each one of these women that he's even seen naked or something. And she said, oh, yeah, you know what the Savior said in the Sermon on the Mount. If you've looked upon a woman to lust after, you've committed adultery in your heart. And I said, okay. And then she said, so, yeah, so I, you know, that, I, I know what the church feels about adultery. I'm just getting right out of this. And I'm like, um, really? Um, don't you think he could get better or i mean mm-hmm. and that hadn't occurred to her it had right it, it was so interesting and at first she was mad at me she said oh so you're on his side I'm, no I, i'm not saying that i'm just saying <laughs> you want it you have and they had three or four kids yeah. i said so you're going to teach your kids that if one of you has some kind of a problem in a marriage that oh the marriage is over Mm-hmm. And uh, well, it's adultery. That some problems are worth it. And I said, well, let's. Well, do you think he's going to be excommunicated from the church over this? Because um, she was a religious mm-hmm. woman, and she said, oh, no, those guys, those men, all stick together. There, he's gone to see the bishop and and also the stake president, and he's not going to get excommunicated. So, and I'm pretty sure it's because they're all men. 
they they just won't see it from my perspective. Oh my! Interesting how those <laughs> perceptions tie in, isn't it? But her expectation was that once they got married, any personal habits that he might have had, any inclinations he might have had, would be done, and especially anything in the arousal sexual realm would be completely and only exclusively focused on her. Well, unfortunately, that's not always how it works. And I've been around the block enough to know that that's certainly not an exclusive problem. Thankfully, I know many people who, when they discover that that's a situation in a marriage um, or or any uh, other relationships even, that um, there is still hope. And that's not necessarily a a deal breaker. Anyway, for this woman, she started off that this was a deal breaker. She did end up getting divorced from him. It Mm -hmm. was sort of sad, Mm -hmm. regardless of what I said. But... um, it's interesting because her attitude did soften when she realized that it was basically an expectation that she had had. And I can say that her, her, yes. her heart was broken, but I feel that I, and by, by having that expectation and then that accusation that came about because of that expectation. But I can also say that by the time she was divorced, she was no longer so condemning. And I mean, she, when she first came to me, she did not want those kids to ever be alone with him because of that. Oh, right. And I, and I said, well, what connection is there? Do they even know about this? And she didn't know about it for a year. So right. what, what would make her think that they knew about it? So, Sid, when we come back from this first break, as you've set up this expectation, uh, I think seeing it is one of the first steps, just acknowledging oh, yeah. and seeing that it is an expectation. And then where do we go from there? Because there are principles that we can apply. And, and one of the most consistent things that I've seen, when people get into a nasty divorce, for example, they abandon the principles that would allow that relationship to be healthy or strong. Things like love, compassion, forgiveness, right? Yes. Throw those out the window. Now we're all about bitterness and anger and right. hatred. Yeah. And it just poisons things. Yeah. Well, I think we can build on that. We'll be right back, folks. This is Sid Balthazar Unrau at Live on Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to Live on Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com And we're back. Sid Balthazar Unrau. Yeah. I just like saying that. Yeah, thanks. That's Me just too. fun, <laughs> you know. At Live On Purpose Radio and, and Secrets from a Divorce Attorney. I bet you have discovered some things, Sid, that if people would have known and applied this, they wouldn't have even had to get divorced. Exactly. Please, enlighten (laughs) us. Okay. Well, one of the things is simply to get on the same page about money. Um, I can't tell you how many people come into my office 
And uh, one lady came into my office. This was one of my first, when I was 26 years ago or something, when I was first an attorney, she didn't even know how to write a check. She had never handled the money in their relationship. She had no idea anything about it. Um, and I thought that was just really sad. Hmm. She had a checkbook. Um, she was on a joint account, uh, on the joint account somehow. Um, anyway, um, a lot of times that is a, a symptom. I don't know if it's the symptom or the root. I go back and forth, um, and maybe it depends on the situation. But if people can agree on money and have their money in common, um, uh, the other thing that surprises me, because this is just not the way it is in my marriage, um, that people have completely separate accounts and they have no idea what's in each other's account or what each other make or anything like that. And this they don't seem to have separate. any... Yeah, it's just completely separate. They each have their own realm. She pays for these bills and he pays for those bills and that's that. Um, I think um, that's not a good, strong relationship. To be a strong relationship, you have to have some kind of um, unity about your whole lives together. And money's just, money isn't a, a, a thing to hoard. It's not a, a private thing. It's a, a Once you're married, it's a, a joint thing. It's a together thing. And uh, my wife and I have lived that way from the get-go. So it took me a while to understand that there are other ways to look at it. And, Interesting. And those other ways aren't good. Um, they never lead to good things that I can find. Um, I've, so, I, I know I didn't ask you to crunch any numbers or do any statistics before you came on the show, but what would you estimate is the percentage of divorces in which money is a big issue? I would say over 50, uh, probably over 75, uh, a lot of them. Uh, in fact, when I'm also a mediator, and, and even when I'm not the mediator, I'm an attorney, uh, the vast, um, besides child custody, mm -hmm. the thing that we go over the most is money. So custody's number one, but money's the next, the mo next yeah. most important thing, getting the figures right, getting debts distributed, getting money in there. And it's always, it's almost always a mystery what the other side earns and, and where the money goes. I mean, they, they don't even seem to know where the money went until we're getting divorced, until they're getting divorced. And, wow. they, and then they see where, what actually is coming in and what's going out and where it's going. It's so your advice would be get on the same page absolutely about money yeah and get some help if you need it right and if you need a quick place to go for help um, just look up Dave Dave Ramsey <laughs> you can Google oh. Dave Ramsey yeah he's totally into this he um, uh, when my wife and I took his um, course about money management um, he has ten baby steps I think or something like that and we were already doing eight and a half of them. Um, and so, <laughs> well, and there are other educators or programs or advisors that would be happy to oh, absolutely assist in getting on the same page. But you're saying it's important to to find some kind of common ground there in the financial right. realm and make sure you're on the same page there. And on one simple thing, oh, this, oh, I, I've actually helped save some marriages over this principle. One thing, uh, once you get on the same page, when, uh, some people turn it into a control issue. So everybody, every cent has to be accounted for. My wife and I give each other an allowance. She has, and we, and we don't even have the same allowance. Um, and she gives me a certain amount of money every month. I mean, I'm allotted a certain amount of money every month, mm -hmm. and so is she. We don't have to account each other, um, for each other for whatever we do with our allowance. Mm -hmm. um, and, and our allowance is quite modest. Mine's $150 a, a month. And that's my, if I want to take someone out to lunch money or go to a movie or whatever. Do whatever um, you and, want. And, say, and we don't account to each other. And then the other principle that my wife and I use, that's, and I've shared this with others and some people have, have said it's helpful, 
we never buy something outside of our allowance more than $100 without consulting the other one. Mm-hmm. And uh, that might seem like a small amount, um, especially in these days, but um, we've lived that way our whole marriages and it's been beautiful. And I can't even think of a time when I said, oh, I think we should buy this. And you know why? Because before I consider buying it, I know I'm going to talk to my wife about it. So that helps hold it's, me accountable. Right. It's another level of accountability. Yeah, it's great. Which and, is the principle underlying what you're talking about. Exactly. Here. Accountability is where it's at. And the other right. side of that is um, I can't even think of a time when my wife's talked to me or texted me about something that she was considering buying that I didn't think was was reasonable. This mm-hmm. is another principle I didn't, I actually hadn't thought of this one, but one of the most powerful experiences I had with my own wife was that she asked me one time what um, I thought she should do. And she told me the two sides or the three or four sides actually of a situation. And then she said, I'm leaning toward this. What do you think? And I said, well, I think what you're thinking is probably right and she said really and she's and i said yes because i trust you Mm -hmm. and she started crying that surprised me because she didn't realize that i trusted her so much and and so trusting um the other side and expressing that is a beautiful thing that's a gift isn't it yeah and 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 recognizing that and just uh, allowing that but anyway the other big one though um is intimacy um Quite often, and I didn't used to ask this, and I don't ask this in a nosy way or anything like that, but one of the questions that we need to find out in a divorce is, how long have you been separated as husband and wife? And they say, well, you mean in separate households or in separate beds or separate sides of the house or what? And I say, well, how long have you not lived together as husband and wife? And that usually means, how long have you not had sex or something like that? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm shocked to find out that many of the couples that or many of the people that come to me have not been intimate with their spouse in months and months, sometimes years and years. Mm-hmm. What? Um, I'm, before I got married, I thought I thought that was one of the main things that marriage is all about. <laughs> now I realize mm-hmm. that it's uh, it's one of the main things that helps keep a marriage going. Your understanding has certain, matured somewhat yeah, since I then. I hope so. But the point <laughs> is... Um, so working on doing something, and see, my wife and I never had this situation. We've always gone on date nights. Well, maybe not always, always on purpose, but for at least the last 10, 15 years, we've got a date night every week. Um, we have sweet time together every evening. We pray together um, if you're a praying person. But besides that, we sort of dance together um, every day. Um, we each take turns choosing a song and we hold each other and dance to a song. It's a slow dance. Um, and that's mm-hmm. just one little thing. But there, there are little things you can do that don't take a lot of time, but that connect. And so staying connected Um just emotionally, physically. And by the way, when my wife and I are doing our, our little dancing, we're not talking. We just, um, in fact, it's a, a quiet time and we're just embracing and and dancing together. It's a very sweet experience. Um, that's just an idea. Um, you don't have to incorporate yeah, that particular right. one. But doing something to increase the intimacy, um, that's just a sweet thing. Um, of course, people do nice things for each other all the time. I, I mean, I recommend that, um, not just in marital relationships. And of course, I don't. I can't think of almost anything that I'm recommending for a marital relationship. I wouldn't recommend it for any other relationship that you care about, mm-hmm. um, because of course, yet you, you need to be on the same page with different things. But so the intimacy is another one that I would say tend that tend the intimacy. You know, it's it's interesting, Sid, that you've you've brought up some things that. Part of my mind is like, well, duh. Yeah. Right? Because 
I've known forever, as I've done marriage counseling, for example, as I worked in uh, the child custody arena, um, the three big ones that tend to to uh, torpedo a relationship, sex, money, and kids, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Those are the three. Those are the three that you've talked about here. We haven't talked as much about the kids but you did mention that child custody is the number one thing that sucks up your time and energy as a divorce attorney. Right. And, and then right behind that, um, you're talking about get on the same page about money and do something to increase your connection, your intimacy, your closeness. Um, if people would pay attention to these areas on purpose. Yes. And it doesn't just naturally fall into place. No. You've got to you've got to do something intentionally in those areas to actually improve and create a principle based relationship, and you have to be open to to being um, you have to be amenable to learning that there are things you don't know that you want. Like my wife has has told me that I need to hold her more, things like that. And I thought I was a natural hugger holder mm-hmm. person, but um, this nightly dancing that we do, um, that evolved over time. And that's something that I had to learn and embrace. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't natural. It wasn't what... Right. Uh, so, you, you, I mean, so it takes work. It's not just a simple thing. Right. And And when you say work, I think practice. Practice, that's a good word, yes. Because it doesn't come naturally at first, and, and it's normal, maybe natural, for people to shy away from or resist or avoid something that doesn't feel natural to them. Well, folks, this is the nature of the beast, because if you're learning a new skill that is going to improve your life, it's not going to feel natural at right. first. That's the whole point of new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I guess um, I'm over here thinking, okay, we get secrets from the divorce attorney, and then you illuminate the obvious for us, okay, <laughs> which is which is perfect, and it's perfect for this show too because that's what we do here. We illuminate the obvious, and there's not some magic formula out there that's going to save your marriage. You can learn from the vast body of experience and knowledge that's already been accumulated. And Sid, you get to watch it front row right. from the divorce attorney's seat to see how negligence of these particular principles actually um, destroys relationships. So what's the cure? Pay attention to those things. Duh. If I can mention one more... Um, yeah, this stems from the expectation idea. Um, before I um, got married, I thought that my wife was going to be my omni friend. And what I mean by that is that mm. there was no context in which she wouldn't be the one. Well, I've learned over time and, and this is okay. She's never going to want to go to as many movies as I do. She's never want to go as many on uh, hike the same hikes that I do and all that kind of stuff. We do together right. what we do together, and it's perfectly okay to have buddies to go to movies with sometimes and to do other things like that. That uh-huh. is perfectly okay. 
And that's uh, when people realize that, that your spouse doesn't have to be glued to your side 100% of the time. Now, there are some people... And meet that, every need that you have. Right. Now, there mm-hmm. I have met some couples that that does seem to be the case, and they've been married 40, 50, 60 years, I've seen, mm-hmm. and they don't seem to have anybody that that's outside of that little realm for the most part, except for maybe their own kids, grandkids, etc. But um, my wife and I have developed, I think, a healthy... Um, she does some things with some of her friends, and I do some things with some of my friends. We do primarily everything together, of course, but mm-hmm. um, we also... And that's okay. And realizing that yes. that's okay is a good thing. That triggered um, just a recollection of what you started with today, Sid, and that's expectation. Yeah. I read tied. a book years ago called The Night in Rusty Armor. I don't know if you've encountered that. It was just a, yeah. a really quick read that has some fun little principles in it. And one of the ones that I picked up was, as we learn to accept rather than expect, we feel far less disappointment. Wow, yeah. That's beautiful. Those words are so similar, right? Accept and expect. But they yeah. have such a different impact on a relationship. Yes, so that kind of ties us back to where we started. Sid, thank you. Well, thank you for this opportunity. It's been very wonderful. How can people find you if they if they want you to come and speak or if? Well, um, we have a mentoring. Um, my son and I, my son Devin and I, have a mentoring um, company called Sego Lily Mentoring. So Sego is S E G O Lily L I L Y. I had to learn that. I thought Lily had L L I. L-I-L-L-Y. Anyway, segolilymentoring.com. And on that okay. website, it has um, upcoming events and things like that. We have a little, you can sign up on Facebook with us, and we have a little um, uplifting things every day. Um, also, my Gmail account is just sid, S-I-D dot unrau, U-N as in Nancy, R-A-U, at gmail.com. And if you're local and you'd like to, you can call or text me. My number is 801-318-7609. And I'm happy to talk wow. to you when I can. Um, when I'm in court, of course, I can't <laughs> respond to you calls. You won't respond then. <laughs> yeah. But um, email is actually the best. I get that all the okay. time. Cell phone. Sid.unrau, U-N-R-A-U, right. at gmail.com. And then Sego Lily Mentoring. Sago lily, that is the Utah State flower. Yes, and they saved, and Sago lily, I don't know just if you have time for this, but the um, Sago lily, I found out sort of recently um, that it has a bulbous root, and the pioneers were starving, and right. there was an abundance of Sago lilies, and it helped save them through a winter. Which is why it is the state flower. Which is why it's flower. the state flower. Yeah, excellent. Sago lily mentoring. Symbol. There you have it, folks. Secrets from a divorce attorney on relationships. Stuff you probably already knew, but let's pay some some particular attention to it in, in a live-on-purpose sort of a way. Perfect. Sound good? Yes. All right, folks. It's time. Go live on purpose. Go live on purpose.